0: Hello, and welcome to episode 5 of All Been In this episode, I chat to Scotland defender, Rachel Corset. Rachel has had a decorated career at both club and international level. Is a huge Don's fan, and a family connection to someone who played a massive part in the club's history. Please be sure to leave a review and follow us on Instagram and Twitter, at All Been Done. And now, let's just get into the episode. Welcome to episode five um, of All Being Dawn. Delighted to welcome my guest today, Scotland International and Dawn's fan, Rachel Corsey. Hi, Rachel. How are you?
1: Hi, Paul. I'm good. How are you?
0: Yeah, I'm pretty good. Thank you. Uh, so supporting Aberdeen, um, growing up supporting Aberdeen is the first thing. You, you grew up in in the city. Yeah, I
1: did. Yeah, Hazelhead. So local. Yeah.
0: Second uh, guest in a row that uh, grew up, they went to Hazelhead Academy. Uh, Derek I spoke to you last week and he went to Hazelhead Academy as well. Okay. Um, so obviously looking back, you've got a, like a family connection with the club as well. So was that always around? Uh, do you want to speak a little bit about that?
1: Yeah. Um, so my great-grandfather, who I never met, um, but he played for the Dons Way back in sort of the early nineteen hundred years, and not only sort of played for them, he went on and he was the he ended up being the coach as well the team a few years later, Um, and and he's since been recognised when Aberdeen had their centenary year, he was recognised in sort of the top twenty five Don's legends that were recognised at the time. Um, So that that's kind of like that's a very special memory. or not necessarily memory, but something, you know, to like relate to that I think just ties you to the club a bit more than um maybe just the average fan. Um the reason I grew up supporting Aberdeen Relief, though was to do with my mum who is the granddaughter of my great grandfather. and um, so that side of the family and my mum for as long as I can remember so is the season ticket. And so it was it was just quite a natural kind of following those footsteps and obviously when I was old enough my mum would take me to the games and um, there was a period when I was sort of younger where I had a season ticket for a while as well and we went together so it was just always something that was around really Um, and that's why I became such a strong fan and then as you become older and can understand these things obviously learned about my great-grandfather and I've seen pictures and um, he also played for Scotland so he has a, um, you know physically you receive a cap from the SFA when you mm. play in an international qualifying match so my great-grandfather has one from a long long time ago and I obviously have since gathered a few as well so it's it just kind of makes those little memories a little more special that you can kind of compare and relate and it's it's a nice story really it really is
0: so going to see your, your mum and an early age you remember your
1: first game? <sighs> No, I would, I would have been pretty young though, I think, when I went to my first ever game. Um, I have like really vague memories of sitting in the Markland stand um, and going with friends. And that, and that would have probably been the, f- the first few games I would go to. My mum's season tickets in the South Stand and, and almost mm-hmm. has been. And once I got older, that was where we went. But I do have old, old, faint memories of, of being in the Markland end.
0: Who was who was kicking about at that time? Who was playing?
1: Um, I think probably that would have been like Duncan Shearer, um, Billy Dodds, Ian Jess. Probably just old enough to very faintly remember those years where there probably was still quite a bit of um, success that the club experienced on a regular basis.
0: Um, I'm I'm a, a few years older than you. I'm um, not quite. Um, well, so it's kind of the same era for me as well. So like that was when I first started going as well. So it was like, uh, especially like mid-90s, like Shearer Dodds, Jess, um, John Ingalls, <laughs> you know, all the legends, you know. Yeah. Um, so when you, uh, were these your, your sort of heroes then when you started your first sort of footballing heroes growing up? Or did you have a, a wider look at football? But obviously like that sort of time, the English Premiership starts to kick in. so but was it more Don's players that you looked up to?
1: Yeah, it was definitely more of the Aberdeen thing. I think even probably back then, watching games on TV, I don't really know that, so it was definitely more of the live, the live football live experience. So um, I think, who I can't remember who it was. There was a, somebody was, a, it might have been Ian Jess, was actually a neighbour of one of the girls I went to school with oh, wow. and, and I was really quite young but we, one day after school you know it was like play date. and um, I remember not forcing her but being like come on we'll just ring his doorbell we'll ring his doorbell we had like a bit of like scrap paper that we'd found in the house and we like rang his doorbell and asked us to sign this bit of paper and I can remember it must have my mum must have turned up to pick me up and write just as I was doing this and I remember getting in trouble because my mum was mortified that we'd knocked on somebody's door, <laughs> um, and I think I, went, I think it was Ian Jess. Um So yeah, those were definitely the the players that I knew. You know, the names that to me were the top level. I, I didn't really have an appreciation for what was yeah. outside. Of
0: that. Yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, so, so when you um, you started when you started to play football yourself, um, was that uh, you start. You did uh, play in your youth with Aberdeen, didn't
1: you? Um, I played most of my youth football with Stonehaven. Um, Aberdeen didn't want me, so <laughs> that's that's still a bit of a sore point. But yeah, I, it worked out the way it worked out. Um, but it was lo- local enough, you know, local mm-hmm. league, lo- local clubs.
0: Were you always uh, were you always a defender, or was that? Uh, no way it worked out?
1: No, I've traditionally made my way back to being a defender earlier than I probably wanted to be, but yeah, growing up I was sort of midfielder, winger, um, more sort of attack-minded I would say, but I think um, it wasn't until I was around 19, 20 when I I signed for Glasgow City, um, having played for Aberdeen senior team for I think a season and a half, two seasons, and it almost happened, accidentally. It was I was going back from injury, and I was asked to go and just be a passive defender, and was a little too active that I ended up not getting, a, not ever getting out of being a defender. So that was kind of how that happened. But it, it's probably worked out fortunately in the sense that I think that position does probably suit me, especially how the game's developed. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I can't, I don't play too much, but I would, I would love to still be. Probably at the other end of the pitch a little more.
0: <laughs> Does that help uh, as a defender now that you grew up in a more forward position? Does it make, change the way you think about, oh, this attacker, you know, is going to do this or uh, or that sort of thing?
1: I think so. I mean, I, I think you can certainly make it to your advantage. Um, I think for me, I'm I, I'm someone who I just I literally love football and I always have, and I you know, where I used to stay, I could hear if there was games on on a Saturday or a Sunday up at Hazelhead, just amateur football on a Saturday afternoon. And I could open the back door and I would be able to tell just by like the faint noise, there's games on. I used to just jump on my bike and just go and watch any football. And if there was ever any football on TV, I would just watch it. And, you know, my mum used to think I was just absolute mad for watching some (laughs) games that you were like, I haven't even really heard of these teams. Why are you watching Mm. this? But I think I've just always loved the game, whether it be playing or watching or whatever. And so I think I've learned most of the game from that, um, which then I think that helps the defender. I think just reading the game and situations, different scenarios, you know, naturally the more you watch, the more you see, you're going mm-hmm. to take in a something from that. And um, as you get older, you kind of have to just pull all that experience together to make
0: you the best you can be, ultimately, especially in a professional environment. Uh, the, you just talked about, talk about watching games in the park and stuff like that. I remember, do you remember the names of any of those teams? Because there's some cracking names. The one that always <laughs> sticks in my head is AC Millen. That's the one uh, I was joking about yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just, I remember reading that in the Green final. It stuck with me till, well all my years now, I, I don't think, I'll, I, I'm sure they probably still play, but um, yeah. yeah, it's just, I, I'm, I'm going to look up more of them uh, <laughs> for later. So what, uh, did you, when you started to sort of find your own position, did you watch, when you were watching football, were you watching more positions more so as it gets to like the late 90s, were you watching certain Aberdeen defenders and go, oh, no, he's pretty good or he's not much pop Because I think at that time, you would like to say some of them weren't that good.
1: <laughs> um, I, I, on, just on that, I remember I was asked to fill out one of those silly questionnaires for the back of a match programme one time for Aberdeen and I made a joke about being the female Xander Diamond. And it, on, it was such like a passing comment, but the, uh, the amount of times that has come back up in my career, i you know, been I mean, doing various different interviews and somebody's asked me about this under Diamond relevance, which, you know, probably only really people in Scotland, well, even probably just Aberdeen fans only probably know who Xander Diamond is mm. in a way, not to disrespect him. But, you know, it's just, that's kind of followed me around. But I, I don't, I think I always just probably enjoyed the other side of the game. I don't remember really focusing on sort of Positions that were my positions, I think I just enjoyed um, games that had more of an attack-minded kind of outcome, ultimately. Um,
0: In those um, early years before you you moved to Glasgow, what were your favourite Dons games that you, particular memories that you were, oh, I'm so glad I was there, or, God, I really wish I hadn't been at that
1: one. (laughs) I can... There's probably more memorable ones that um, were for the wrong reasons. I can remember being at the... um I remember going with my mum to the cup final where Robbie Winters ended up winning goals. Um, that's yeah. quite a, a strong memory. Um, and I've probably been to a few other cup games at Hamden that haven't gone very well. I remember the Hagan cup game. Um,
0: and I what was sad...
1: <laughs> Yeah, like, I can remember. I really can remember Jamie Smith's goal. It was quite far out, um, and we were in. The, so we're in the south stand, a bit that's uncovered. And the, I went with two friends, who are typically two friends who I would still go to the games with now when I'm home. And that's kind of how we we try and catch up. We try and fit it in round a, an Aberdeen game. So we still go with them, and I remember the celebrations were fairly over the top, which was obviously justly so on that on that night. Um, so that. That's a, that's a good memory, and I think um, hopefully you know we're about to maybe get on a a cup a cup run in Europe that's not too far away because I think we've probably not quite not quite got to the stages that I think you know would be fun to get to. I think ultimately yeah. you know, the preliminary rounds never quite feel as as much of an occasion, even though it's still credit. To the club for being in these situations, and it's, it's the process, and it's still worthy. But you know, you want to kind of get to the the rounds that aren't considered the pre-qualification.
0: It's, it's well. It's just touching back on that Copenhagen game. It's it was, I think, probably the first time I can remember because I was it was like twelve, thirteen when we won the league cup in ninety-five. That was the first time I remember being in the city centre and it being absolutely jumping. Like I was on, I would. I was doing. A, I was in a conga line that went down Belmont Street that night. It was <laughs> amazing. Just the city was just so vibrant, and um, it was just amazing to see. You know, I was. I was. I live in Glasgow, so I was in Glasgow for. I went out in Glasgow after winning the League Cup in twenty fourteen as well. So, but I'd love to come back up to the city centre in yeah. Aberdeen that night after winning the League Cup as well. It's just. amazing because it's a uh, one a one-team city That the, the feeling in the city when the team does well is just immense it's just yeah. amazing unless of course we got a derby in a couple of years when Cove come up and, and it all kicks off and who knows <laughs> that's a, 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 a question of, uh, like a lot of people are like oh Cove you know an oh, can I at Cove and want Cove to do well at what point do we say nah where you go Cove you know this is our city Sort off <laughs> do you know what I mean it's, it's quite an yeah. interesting one you know um <laughs> When do they become two rival? Yeah,
1: yeah. I I think it will be interesting. I think, yeah. I think it's probably going to take them to be in the same division. I, even then, I think. I think. I think for a long time it will still be their like the little brother type thing, you know. And mm-hmm. probably, yeah. It's hard to know. It's hard to know. Yeah, really.
0: Yeah, it's interesting, it's interesting. Um, so when you moved to Glasgow to join Glasgow City, it was 2008, is that right? Yeah. Um, I was about the same time I moved to Glasgow as well. And how did you find following the dawns when you moved to Glasgow? Because I, I didn't want to tell people I was an Aberdeen fan. Because yeah. it was just like, oh, okay, here we go. What, think,
1: what did, so by the time I moved, a, a lot of people that I knew in Glasgow knew, how much of a Don's fan I was. Um, it's quite interesting, in the women's game, there's actually a lot of the girls don't necessarily have a team. You know, you would kind of think a lot of the girls, are probably same thing, similar to me, you know, watch football as they grow up and would have a team. You know, like most of the girls maybe have a team to look out for, but there's not that many who are supporters of the club, you know, who mm-hmm. maybe at some point in time had a season ticket or whatever. So because of that, it was I was always quite vocal about being an Aberdeen fan. Everyone knew. So there was kinda no hiding it from me. Um I actually found on Glasgow there's a lot of Aberdeen fans.
0: I have found that now as well. The more, yeah, the, more I, nice. the more I look, the more I find them.
1: Yeah, there's quite a big following. So I um I worked for Ernst and Young as well around that time when I physically moved, you know, there was a period of time I was at the university still at Robert Gordon's. But then latterly I was actually living there and working. And there was quite a lot of people at Arneston Young who were Aberdeen fans too. So then you can like build a bigger circle and you're like, I'm off. you kind of feel you're protect protected. Not I didn't really need protection. I know what you mean.
0: Yeah.
1: You don't feel like you're just the lone the lone sheep. Um, <laughs> but and the, the owner of Glasgow City or one of them, Laura Montgomery, she's also an Aberdeen fan. So right. um yeah, I had my circle, and I, th- I think that was quite interesting. And the one biggest real pet peeve is actually outside of Glasgow. is you know, people down south, and even as far as abroad, you know, people ask you, oh, but are you Celtic or Rangers? And there's just, you know, I've yeah. just been asked that so many times. and,
0: and I up you know, the, the European trophies, folks, come on, come on. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's like I find it, like it was a couple. Did you ever used to go out to watch the games with uh, in Glasgow? So I I find well, when I was going out to watch games, which we'll hopefully do again one day. uh Roderick Dews in the city centre. Do you know that one? Just beside yeah, Central yeah. Station. Yeah. Used to go there, and think there's a place in Highland called The Rock that okay. a lot of yeah, Aberdeen yeah, fans yeah. go to as so. well. But uh, yeah, it's great. Good. We watched a few European games in Roderick Dews, and yeah, there's a load of Aberdeen fans there, so you get a good. A good atmosphere and stuff as well, so I, I do enjoy that. So it works, works out really well. Um, a lot of my calls have come from so, like your time in Glasgow, hugely successful playing for Glasgow, say. Uh, yeah, titles, cups, uh, playing. You know, I went to I, I actually used to live across the road from um, uh. Glasgow City Ground in, in Springburn. I used to live like that's just oh, yeah. like if you if you got to the junction, you turn right to go there, and I would go left, and that's where I lived down there. So we went to uh, it was a Champions League game. I can't remember what year it was. It was against Arsenal. Um, I can't yeah. I, I can't remember if you were there or not.
1: At I think the time. I did. I, I think I did play in that.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, I was at that, that one. Um, cool. Was, I really enjoyed that. Was, uh, then, we moved away from that part of town. The- uh, that was that was a boring story about where I live in Glasgow. <laughs> 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 um, sorry, yeah. So uh, the the time in in Glasgow uh, as well. So you're up to about what to 13, 14. Um, so we've we've gone out of the Calderwood. We've just left the Calderwood years. We've just got he's just got us in the unit. He's been sacked. Here comes uh, you know uh, Mark McGee. You know that was. Awful, wasn't it? You know. A lot of records. Like, my um my flatmate at the time, his girlfriend, was a Celtic fan and kept texting him every time I go went in, in that nine no game at Celtic Park. Oh. Horrible.
1: Horrible. That, Horrible. Was that was painful. That's probably one of the lowest lowest times. Um I think that was probably a transition period which I was at that age as a fan where you're like, you don't really have tolerance or time for that. You don't get it. So you're just like, we're just not good. Mm-hmm. Um, and no, I can't remember if that was around the time as well. There was one year we were excruciatingly close to being relegated.
0: Yeah, um, well, that was uh, the the first Ebi Skolvedal season, the two thousand season, finished bottom yeah. of the league, got to both cup finals. And if Brockville wasn't a tip, we'd have been relegated.
1: Yeah so there was those are probably the not so fun years um, and probably around that time as well, I can remember going to an away game around Christmas against Unfermline and I, I just have these visuals of my dad putting his gloves over my feet and I had about six pairs of socks and I just remember my toes were just beyond cold <laughs>
0: There are so, some,
1: uh, it, yeah, that's probably my memories of those two years around then.
0: Season cold and crap football. Aberdeen <laughs> 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 as much as you used to in your younger days, yeah?
1: Potentially not as much as when I had a season ticket, but um, if, I mean, if they're on TV, yes. And I actually watch them probably most consistently when I live in the U.S., Mm-hmm. Um, I think as we often play on a Saturday, and with the time difference where I was living, the games used to be on at like eight, nine in the morning. And it used to kind of be like the perfect thing. My own match day prep would be I'd get up and make coffee and, and sit and have, you know, breakfast, whatever it was some breakfast, toast, and just watch the games. Like it was quite a nice, you know, mm-hmm. there was nothing really else to do, just and it was a good time to just sit and watch Aberdeen. So I've probably watched them most consistently since I've been in the US. Um, because it just works kind of time wise. Um, it's harder to probably catch them so much now if they're not on TV. Um, yeah,
0: it's, it's um, we. I did start people watching a lot of the games on um, on Zoom calls. And uh, have you ever tried doing that? No. A bit of a nightmare because you're uh, never all <laughs> at the same time. Even if you're yeah. watch, all watching on the same thing, depends on the Wi-Fi and stuff like that. So I'll be sitting watching a game and one of my mates will go, oh. <laughs> I'll be like, what What? What happened? And then 30 seconds later, like we're watching that Superman Cup game a couple of weeks ago and then, oh. and, and uh, that, when that, uh, the keeper made the error. And, um, mm-hmm. It's just like, it what, what, happened, what
1: happened? When that happened, it's like remarkable how infrequent that is. Like, yeah. Lewis has been at the club for a long time and like, I mean, I'm sure there have been goals where you're like, mm, but the, when you think about it, he really, he rarely, rarely makes a mistake.
0: No, 100% agree with that. He's, he's very consistent. He's very consistent. Yeah. But um, it's just that position, isn't it? You know, one mistake from a from a keeper and then you're done. So obviously, if you're a, a striker and you you might get three chances, but nobody talks about the two that you missed, but it's just the one you scored's fine. It's just such a such a difficult position as well. Um, shouty goalkeepers—is that a problem you've ever had with? Do you have a lot of shouty goalkeepers uh, behind you in your career?
1: Um, you know, I don't don't really think so. Um, I've always had quite good relationships with goalkeepers. Um, Sorry, of Carly Telford's England goalkeeper at the moment. I used to live with her when I played for Knuts County and. She's probably the most shouty, but in quite a funny way. You know, we used to we used to just have a go at each other almost. And not, not joking, we well, were serious. We wanted to win, but um, we probably had the best back and forth. And then when I first went to the States, I played for Seattle, and Hope Solo was the goalkeeper.
0: Oh, wow.
1: Yeah, and she... I mean, and then she is the most talented goalkeeper I've ever played with. Like, just her raw ability... And then on top of that, her mindset and attitude. But just some of the saves she made was incredible. But she wasn't so much shouty, but she was very clear in her communication and her expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that was like a really, really good experience to, to play alongside her and get to know her as well. Just
0: Yeah, yeah. she's sort of one of those players that has a, almost a presence. She, she always doesn't need yeah. to say anything. She's like, well, she's there, so... We know. Yeah, we'll just follow her lead.
1: She could look at you, I mean. and you just knew, okay. <laughs> yeah, but I think as a, she definitely does have a massive presence. And I can remember when I first met her; she's probably very similar height to me. But I expected to meet her her to be this like towering, you know, much taller than I am. But um, she wasn't. She just was such a great athlete, and had, as you say, had a presence that yeah. seemed just huge in the goal.
0: Uh, When you moved to America, um, a couple of things I want to ask about moving, just generally living in America first. Obviously, it was better for watching games because they were on in the morning, so that was great. But just in general, you were um, talking about supporting football teams. Obviously, you and I both grew up supporting Aberdeen growing up. But because, you know, the football in America is still, I mean, the MLS is 20 years old now or something. Supporting teams, like do people support a particular team in America just because it's near them, or is there relationships with teams? Um, if you if you know what I mean, just do people build up a relationship with a team, or do they follow brands and players? And obviously, there is the element to move on, move teams as well, which we'll, we'll touch on in a minute as well. Uh, so, what do you think about like supporting football teams yeah. by people in the United States?
1: It's different. I will say it's different. Um, There certainly is. There's definitely an argument for people support their local team. Um, But there's definitely as well in the US, there's a lot of people move around a lot. So, you know, I've experienced no matter where I'm living, the people you meet rarely, maybe not rarely, but there's a lot of people you meet who didn't grow up in that place as well. Um, Or they went, you know, they grew up somewhere and then they went to college somewhere and now they're living somewhere else for work. So people kind of built affiliations through different places. So there's probably an element of, you know, people support club because they grew up there, people support club because it's now in the city where they went to university, or people support the club because it's the club that's now in the city they live. There's definitely a bigger focus on um, commercializing games. So when you actually go to games, there is still the whole sense of, like, the home team and away team, but there's also, like, a much bigger focus on just, like, the overall fan experience. Whereas, like, if you're going to Petaudry to watch Aberdeen, you're only really going – you're going for the game. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not, you know, you're not too fussed what's happening at halftime. You're not really that fussed about what different food options you might get or whatever. You know, like, you kind of like, well, I'll take what there is, but I just really hope we win. I think in America, there's like a different focus on different parts of the experience. I would say Mm -hmm. is how they how Americans can like sell their sport. Um, Because I, when I first went there, I lived in Seattle and Seattle Sounders are one of the biggest teams in the MLS. And I went to a lot of games. I've had the opportunity to actually train with, the Sounders Academy um, boys team through some of my time there when I was there in the off season as well so I I kind of built an affiliation with them so I would say my team in the US when I first went there was the Sounders and then obviously I then moved to Utah Royals who were affiliated to Real Salt Lake so you then started to build relationships with some of the men's team players and obviously then you want them to do well too so that's kind of been my experience and I, I think as well it's some of the standard of the football there is really good. I think sometimes it gets a bit of a bad rep, but
0: um, I also go to the games. So yeah, I've I've watched a few games and perfectly good games of football to watch. You know, it's um, it's just a just different, different culture. Do you think? Obviously, the Dons have got this link with Atlanta United now. Do you think you might find when you go back to Pretoria one day that there's not, you might find a more similar uh, fan experience as you put it. Than there were that you've been used to when you've been going to the game.
1: Yeah, potentially, and then you know I've actually had conversations with Dave Cormack, and um, we've we've been in touch, and I know that he's very passionate about that, and I think that probably comes because he has obviously been in the US now for a a long time, and and has seen how that works. And there's an element of that is the commercial side of it. It's obviously a, a huge way for clubs to generate more revenue and that's always important um but i do think there's a benefit to for the fans who would be interested in that and obviously i think is the fan base is going to continue to change you know what what people who are you know younger kids now and teenagers now how they will want to enjoy football in 10 years 20 years will look so much different to what probably going to a football game does look like now mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I think it's a good thing to explore these things and, and find, you know, probably you don't want to Americanize it too much because I think that probably would be quite a drastic change. But I do think there's sort of a crossover in ways where you can probably build up different opportunities and different things about a matchday experience that could be could be of interest to a lot of people.
0: Yeah, completely agree. I think um, fan zones are something that I think are could potentially be really good as well. Um, yeah just in and around the stadium, both for families and for people going with their mates and stuff. You can have different ones and things and build it up and really make the match the experience. Yeah. Even from a commercial point, if you've got if you a bar in a fan zone uh, and somebody has two pints there rather than two pints in the pit bar before they come down to Pataudry, then you know yeah. why not? Why not, indeed? They, just uh, talking about America, when you were uh, at, just looking about the last couple of weeks about uh, Utah Royals, so, what's going on with Utah Royals now? There's, there's an they've been affiliated now with the Kansas City, a new Kansas City expansion. Is that right?
1: So, we've been sold. Utah Royals has been sold to Kansas City. Um, essentially, the end of last year, the owner of the men's and the the whole club. So, the men's, the reserve team, and the first team, the first women's team. Um, were up for sale basically and it's I don't know if it's a common process but it's the American process and Mm -hmm. and every club is a franchise of the league so um, basically when the club was up for sale anyone can come in to buy the club and they ultimately buy the franchise and then you know it was possible that somebody in Salt Lake City or Utah would have come in and kept us where we were but um, the owners who they accepted the proposal from were from Kansas City. So, how that works is basically all the club's assets move to to Kansas and essentially start over.
0: So, I will. Same squad though, you uh, all the players yeah. are all now Kansas players. Yeah. So. Man, no, that must be like really weird for you. What <laughs> was so? What's the? i It's not a. A thing that you have been used to before, you know, it's not like uh, you know, Glasgow City got bought by Hibbs or something and you all had to move to Edinburgh. But um yeah, so like what was the the thought that, did you know it was coming? Was it or was it a bit of a ball of the blue? Uh
1: we knew the club was up for sale um a few months ago. So we, we knew that was happening and with that we knew that there was possibilities that this would happen. Um and you kind of try and prep yourself mentally to kind of think how this might play out. But you you just have to, as best as you can, almost just go with it. Um, it so it is very new. And it's it's stressful and scary to just think, well, you know what, Next time I go back to the US, I'm just going to get on a plane, arrive in Kansas City, and hopefully somebody there is standing there with a sign that says Rachel Corsi on it and picks me up and takes me to wherever I'm going to live so it is quite an unnerving yeah. process but at the same time there's reassurance in the fact that the framework of the league and the criteria for clubs to enter the league and, and have a club are really um, quite detailed so you kind of have some sort of security over the fact that there has to be certain things in place by the time the players go back in the start of February to, to take on sort of the season ahead so I think whilst there's still a lot of details that need to come and things are things have happened quickly and will continue to move quickly you just kind of have to wait for the relevant details to keep coming out and week by week we kind of find out a bit more information Mm -hmm. about all the different logistical and administrative things that come on top of the football things you know just I left Salt Lake and left a lot of my things there, obviously, because I'd lived there for two and a half years. When I left in July to come home and play on loan for Birmingham, you can't even anticipate you're going back there. But by the time I arrive, those things will have been taken care of, and will be in Kansas City and um, and hopefully in order. Yeah. So it's it's, it's a like unique, sign- unique process.
0: Yeah, it's like signing for a like signing for a team line. It's like you get. You know, but your city contract, sign one of them and then we'll see where we, where we end up. But <laughs> and then It's, uh, yeah, that, it's uh, exciting. And so does that, uh, you say uh, February you're, you're going to go back to, well back, you're going to go to Kansas. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the loan at Birmingham ends, is it the end of January? End of January, and, yeah. Um, so how have you enjoyed being back? Do you just come back on loans, obviously you've been back on loan to Glasgow and stuff and you over going to work to Australia on loan as well. Are they just to keep playing because of the way the international games uh, are?
1: A little bit, yeah. That was the mindset this year, anyway. Uh, There actually was a second portion of the season that did go ahead in the US, but with how COVID played out, we played a tournament style competition in the summer instead of doing a full league structure. So once it kind of got to the end of July, they weren't sure quite how they were going to use the second part of the year and how they were going to make it possible to kind of have training games and adhere to kind of the constantly changing COVID regulations and I obviously at the same time knew that there were Scotland games up until as late as the 1st of December so I kind of was looking for an opportunity back here that made sure that I definitely would have games and training that would just keep me in in good shape for those so that was the thought process this year I think going forward the American League is going to extend long enough that there probably won't be the opportunity or the need to play in the off season the off season'll be condensed enough that you can just have one club team which my my personal view on that is that's better um mm. you want i I personally would just want to have one club team and be committed to that for you know the contract length so i think um I think that's better, but I also understand that it's taking the league to grow sort of sustainably to get to this point. So I, I kind of understand how that's been a, a stepped process.
0: Uh, at your time, uh, your five, six months at Birmingham, um, it's been a while since you played in England. Uh, how have you seen the WSL change in the time you've been away
1: to coming back? Yeah, I actually think it's, a, it's an interesting question because I think I thought in some ways there would have been more growth. Um and in other ways i think there has been a lot of development in certain areas and you know you can see there's there's probably now an attraction of a lot more international players a lot there's probably more top international players have joined the league since i was last year and that probably is a reflection on the league growing but also the fact that they've come here makes the league stronger again too so that's kind of like an always forever kind of evolving situation i think the top clubs have stepped up you know i think chelsea arsenal man city man united i think the playing experience and what they offer their players is a really good professional environment and i know there's still a lot of ways that you know those clubs want to keep that moving in the right direction and they feel there's there's a lot more ambition to what they want to achieve and i would i would agree that it is there always is more growth i think probably the biggest thing that I've been surprised at is I still think that the standard across the entire league um needs to probably become a smaller gap and and mm. all the clubs in the top division need to probably provide a slightly better professional environment and, and try and do a little bit more with some of the other aspects of the game. You know, it's not just about what happens on a sun Saturday or Sunday when you, you turn up for the games. There's a big component to the, the overall game is, is sort of the commercial department kit, how you promote games, how, ticket sales, all these things that will help the game grow a lot. Like ultimately the, the media play a huge part in in how much interest is brought to the game and I think we can pull a lot more from the media to to make them focus a lot more on what the women's game has to offer because... I know you'll always get the people who are like the women's games not for me and I don't like it and that that's totally fine. But there's also a lot of people who do enjoy the women's game and so let's make that let's use all those it, all that interest I would say and and try and you know build on that. I think we, there's a lot that still can be done. I think there's a lot we accept that's less than what we could accept too. And and that's another thing. I think we have to keep challenging and pushing things forward and. Um, that's probably where I think the American league is slightly ahead of the league here is that in the U S being a female athlete is something that's very well respected and um, they do a really good job of building that commercial base and, and making it something that's sellable. And when you do that, you know, the commercial revenue, the ticket sales, all these things come in. And once you start building that, it really helps you build and other things all of a sudden you have more money to afford different things that continue to just build a, a better environment and a, a better game in every every aspect of it really so, interesting
0: um <laughs> we're, uh, the, i can't talk to you and not touch you on your Scotland would i and being pulled over the coals for them to do that um well, do you remember your debut for scotland
1: yep yep Cyprus Cup France
0: there was no night. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how night how, how did it feel like that? how was the difference for playing for Scotland than it was playing uh, club football at that time or was it still quite similar
1: no it was definitely I think that was a, it was a big step up I mean I play France France at the time I mean they still are but one of the top teams in Europe so um, I know we got beat 3-0 Um but just, it was, I, I had no expectation to play. You know, it was my first first camp. Um, and every year at that point in time, we went to Cyprus around that time of year. It was like a it was a tournament. I won't say friendly, but there's not really, it wasn't a qualification tournament, let's say that. Mm-hmm. like certainly wasn't friendly, but like you were there because you wanted to do well. Um, you're playing for Scotland. So I kind of knew that we were going to be there for, I think we played four games. So I sort of thought there was a chance I might get some, some time. But I certainly didn't go there thinking I would be in the start of 11. And, and France was the first game we had. I think we'd flown on the Monday and the game was on the Wednesday. And I remember in training the day before being like, it kind of looks like I might play. So you're like, do that thing where you fight with yourself, where you're like really excited that you might be playing. But then you're also telling yourself over and over again, are probably not playing, so don't get excited. Uh, <laughs> and then, obviously, I, I did play, and it, yeah, it was it was amazing. I still, you know, still remember it, of course. And it's obviously been the start of a journey that's, you know, shaped me as a person and shaped kind of my my entire career. Because I think for a large part of my Scotland career, I was an amateur. You know, I was an amateur. I played for Glasgow City and. You know, that was the start and that was the biggest stage for me for such a long time. And it, it always is the greatest privilege, but I don't know, it, it had when I first got into that team, it was just such a, a new level to me that I just absolutely loved it.
0: The in the in your time with Scotland, there's been so many firsts that people will look back on. The first year was the first World Cup. The do you notice that? Did it do you feel that at the time? Or is it something that you'll think in 10 years' time that you'll look back on and go, holy, oh, we did that? Or does it have that impact at the time?
1: I think a bit of both. I think I'm hoping a bit of both. Uh, you probably don't fully appreciate it when you're in it. A personal note, being an Aberdeen
0: fan, what 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 does it just mean to you just to finish this off? Here? Um I
1: think it's just something that I I really love. I think it's really something that's like a big part of me to have something to follow. And I I kind of enjoy the fact it's in my family. And I like that. I think there's a really good sort of togetherness about being an Aberdeen fan. I think there's, as you say, you know, it's a a one team city. But I also think there's a little bit of a feeling of, I think, because we're from the north, that we're a little hard done by. And I think that pulls everyone together and so um, it's just always something that I feel passionate about and I think I'm probably someone who I'd, I don't like to go into things kind of half-hearted if I'm going to do something I like to do it all in so I think I really enjoy the fact that Aberdeen fans are there <laughs> through the second and thin of it so um, yeah I, I love the club and i, I love coming home I, I love watching the games i love going to the games um and I, I love kind of as well just the spirit of it and it's it's kind of nice that often i'm home at christmas and that's the time of year when i get to to probably go to the games there's probably a bit more lively atmosphere around that time and mm. um, I, I enjoy it i love it
0: excellent well this is when i actually joined each Really, really really appreciate your time and talking to me mm-hmm. and uh all the very best uh, for the rest of your time with Birmingham and the, the return to the United States and discovering Kansas. Uh, yeah. So uh, all, uh, really appreciate it, Rachel. Uh, all the best. Uh, thank, you thank you very much.